let's let's go into the scriptures and um, let's read John chapter 14 verse 1 through 6 oh you good <laughs> John chapter 14 verses 1 through 6 we are um, I'm joining you in this series of going through the I am statements wherein Christ, um, through uh, the evangelist John, is revealing, disclosing different aspects of his majesty. And every I am statement reveals more of who Christ is in his person and who Christ is for us. So we get to um, get the... Um, second to last statement today, and um, let's, let's see what God has to say. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 1 through 6 reads in the uh, English Standard Version. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go Let's, let's read that again. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way, you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Here's our statement here. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Lord, we love your word, and we, we agree with the psalmist, Lord, that your testimonies are true, uh, that your precepts are right, um, that your law is perfect. So we, we pray, God, that you will use your word to do your work on your people by the power of your spirit for the glory of your great name. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just let all voices be silenced but yours. Let all arguments be rejected but yours. Uh, and Lord, I pray, God, that you, you would um, get the glory out of our time together. Uh, let us not just be hearers but doers, uh, believers of your word. Uh, we thank you. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're anything like me, um, I grew up in the church, and I was reared in um, religious settings. I um, went to, from pre-K to 12th, well, pre-K to college, I was in a religious school. So this was, perhaps this was one of the first passages that um, introduced me to the gospel and the centra centrality and the supremacy of Christ. Um, 
if not, you, you've probably seen this on bumper stickers in, in traffic or social media posts combating um, the moral relativistic climate of our postmodern culture that is constantly shouting at us that there are many ways to heaven, to fulfillment, to salvation. Friends, we live in a time where we are bombarded with messages both, and this is quite unfortunate, both in the church and outside of the church that take Jesus and diminish his person as a mere option or choice amongst viable alternatives for fulfillment. Um, salvation and eternal life. We, we, we see this in um, the, the preaching of other religions and they're seeking to um, marry Christianity to their own ideology that, no, oh, no, no, Jesus is just an option. He's, he's not just the way. In light of that, this verse has served as a banner by which we contend for the faith that Christ is the only way. Um, but today I want to lead us in taking a closer look at this passage, grounding this sixth saying of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John um, in the context of John chapter 13, verse 16. We will come to discover that these words, though rightly used on the battlefront of apologetics and evangelism, was not originally spoken in the middle of a debate between Jesus and religious leaders. This was not one of Jesus's famous arguments to Pharisees. They were not spoken, even spoken to unbelievers. They were spoken by a compassionate, concerned Lord to his discouraged, worried, and troubled disciples. These words were spoken on the eve of the most unjust day of human history. We call that Good Friday, ironically. The day that Jesus would be brutally beaten, mocked, ridiculed, crucified between two thieves, wrongly treated as an enemy of the people of Israel and Rome. Jesus, in, if, we, if we take a look at John chapter 13, Jesus, we will see that Jesus has pressed on, on the disciples that the time has come for him to be arrested and killed. The Lord that they have followed, loved, and served alongside of for three entire years would now leave. They were also devastated by the events surrounding his death. Jesus has just told them and uh, told them that one of them, one of them who've been rolling with them for three years, um, will betray them, betray him. And, and even they would desert him. If you keep reading in John chapter 13, you will see Peter say, wait a minute. Um, no, no, they might desert you, but, but I'm Peter. I'm, I'm your boy. I, I, I won't ever desert you. And Jesus reminds them um, that, wait, you won't make it until morning until you deny me three times. Before the rooster croaks, you will deny me three times. Could, could you imagine the tension 
that is in the upper room in Jerusalem when they're hearing the events surrounding their master's death. Can, can, can you see this? These are Jews. They're waiting on Messiah, and, and Jesus is the Messiah, and they know that he is the Christ. They confessed it. They believe it. They gave their lives to knowing it and believing it and walking alongside of him. But their view of the Messiah is, oh, this is the one that's going to end Roman oppression, bring Israel into a, a, a season of peace and righteousness and joy. But he says, no, this is the Messiah that's going to give his life for the salvation of men. Could, could, you, could, you, could you see the tension? You can cut the tension with the butter knife, right, in that room, that, that silent room, but loud with the thoughts of doubt, discouragement. What are we going to do without Jesus? What are we going to do when he dies? What... Uh, we're going to be scattered. What, what is going to happen? Can, can, can you see this? But Jesus, what, what, what makes these words in John chapter 14 relevant to us is that we've all been in rooms similar to this upper room in Jerusalem. Perhaps we can find some familiarity as we consider the hospital rooms that we've been in. Or living rooms, watching a constant streams of videos and media depicting division and injustice and violence and despair. Perhaps we've been in situations wherein there seems to be no silver lining or bright side of the circumstances we're in. And, and we are just like the disciples, tempted to allow the storm, the turbulence of our circumstances to create what John Piper calls unholy turmoil in our hearts. We, uh, again, we, we, we've been tempted to allow our hearts to be troubled. And we hear that Jesus opens up this chapter gloriously with, let not your hearts be troubled. What he's really saying in the Greek is simply stop letting your hearts be troubled. Jesus, looking at the faces and the countenance of his disciples, are seeing men in despair, men who are tempted to give themselves over to unholy turmoil. He says, don't let it, don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus says, you believe in God, believe also in me. The first thing that we see in this text, that the cure to a troubled heart is trusting in all God is for us in Christ. The cure to a troubled heart, a heart that has been enslaved by unholy turmoil, anxiety and worry and despair is to trust in all God is for us in Christ. He says, you believe in God. This is what he's saying. He, he's not commanding them to believe in God. He's declaring, hey, you believe in God as an indicative Jesus points to their already existing faith in God who they have not seen they have come to believe the God of Israel they have come to cherish the stories of Egypt and the Red Sea the crushing of the walls of Jericho the manna in the wilderness the water from the rock they believe in God Jesus tells them by extension you need to believe in me also 
This is saying Jesus is lifting up his deity. He's saying you believe in God whom you have not seen. Now you're going to be charged to believe in me who you will not see. Even though I'm going to be leaving you in the physical, in the visible form, you need to believe in me just as much as you believe in God. Jesus is God, and he's really making it plain here. There were words spoken by a compassionate, they, 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 these words were spoken by a compassionate Savior, a compassionate Master. Jesus grounds their faith in him with promises. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Then he says, let, let, let me tell you why you should not let your hearts be troubled and you should anchor your troubled hearts in trust in me. He says, I go and prepare a place for you. He says, um, he says, in, he, he, he says, in my father's house, in my father's house are many rooms. And I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house. Uh, a few questions that perhaps should um, flood your minds. Is, 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 I'll just mention two questions. First of all, where is the father's house? And, uh, and, and why is it, why does it need to be prepared? Well, where is the father's house and why does it need to be prepared? John MacArthur um, when he preaches this text, he kind of he, he gives a great answer to these questions. He he um, leads his con congregation to remember a um, a prior story in the Gospel of John where Jesus enters the temple and he sees that in the temple, in the courts of the Gentiles, they are selling um, pigeons and, and lamb and, and they're turning the temple into a place of merchandise and Jesus being overtaken by righteous indignation and zeal for his father's house. He says, don't turn my father's house into a den of thieves. So perhaps this might be the father's house. Not quite. John um, MacArthur reminds his congregation that, wait a minute, um, 70 AD, this temple is destroyed. No stone is left on top of another in this temple when, when, when this temple is destroyed in 70 AD. So this can't be the father's house that Jesus is referring to. No, we, we see that um, if we go to Hebrews chapter 9, we see if we go to Hebrews chapter 9, And we start at the 23rd verse, we see that, um, listen to what um, the Hebrew writer says, thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, he's talking about the temple, um, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So the Father's house is not an earthly temple. No, the Father's house is a heavenly dwelling for of which the earthly temple is a mere copy. He's saying, I'm going to the real thing. 
I'm going to the father's house. And, and the second question is, Jesus, wait a minute. Is the father's house in disarray? Is the father's house, is my room messy? You've ever been there where you have to invite people to your home and you're like, wait a minute, let's prepare, let's, let's wash the dishes that's been in there for about a week, let's, um, let's, um, let's, let's put the baby's toys away, let's, let's, let's make up the bed, let's clean the sheets um, for, for once, right? Uh, so you, you have that. No, 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 Jesus is not saying um, there are some things going on at the father's house that may not look too good and I'm going to prepare. No, Jesus is saying, no, the father's house is perfect. The rooms in the Father's house is sufficiently laid out for the glory of God and the good of man. The problem is there's no place for you. That, that's the issue, is that this holy dwelling is no place for sinful man. And for Jesus to prepare a place for us is not simply to clean up. No, it is to actually create a door in those rooms because of sin those rooms have been locked up because of sin you have no place in the dwelling place of the father but jesus says wait a minute the reason that you won't you should not be troubled by my leaving is because my leaving is to your advantage because i'm preparing a place for you and how are you preparing a place jesus He's preparing a place. Um, I, I love this, this writer from Desiring God. He says this, Jesus preparing a place for us is not a heavenly construction. It's an earthly crucifixion. That he's preparing a place for us by giving his life as a ransom. He's preparing a place just as the high priest prepared the mercy seat, just as the high priest atoned for the sins of the people of Israel. He's preparing a place for us that we may go beyond the veil into the holies of holies of the true place, uh, to the Father's house, coated with his blood, purified with his sacrifice. That's his preparing a place. He says, I will come again and receive you to myself. So heaven is heaven such that it is the place where we get to experience the unfiltered, unadulterated, pure presence and fellowship of Jesus. That's heaven. That, that, that's the true heaven. Heaven is not heaven without Jesus. If you read Revelation, you will see that in the midst of the city, of this beautiful diamond city, um, there is the Lamb and the glory of God. And that is the light. It's no, there's no need for a sun and moon. There's no need for stars. No, it's Jesus. Jesus is the light. Jesus is heaven. So here's the crux. We get to, uh, and, and then Thomas says, then he says something that confuses them. Watch what he says. He says, you know the way I'm going. Wait. Wait a minute. Thomas, I'm glad Thomas is there, guys, because Thomas says, wait, we don't know where you're going. Like, how can we? He says, you know the way. We don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way? And this is where we get to the crux of our text. He says to, G, he says to Thomas, and he's saying to us, I am the way. 
That way really means I'm the journey. How are we to get home is Jesus. How are you to be sanctified for the glory of God and be presented faultless before the King of Kings? It's Jesus. How are you going to make it until the end? Jesus. What, what is this narrow road and, and, and narrow gate that we have to go through? It's Jesus. You, you, you will probably be reminded of uh, one of the sayings that, that um, we've already been through. I'm the door. I, I am the way. He's, he's further revealing the fact that in order for us to get to heaven, in order for us to get to the goodwill of God, in order for us to persevere until the end, we need to be in Jesus. I am the way. Then he uses this opportunity to reveal so much more who he is. He says, I'm the truth. I am the truth. What does that mean? This is, this is likened unto John's testimony about Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and, the, and he was with God in the beginning. And all things were made by him. This word, this testimony of God that is true is Jesus. If you go back to Hebrews chapter 1, you will see that God spoke in many forms um, through his prophets. Now he's speaking through his son. His last, God's last testimony is Jesus. You want to know how to get to God? Jesus. You want to know how to, you're confused about truth? And philosophy, I'll make it easy for you, is Jesus. He's saying, hey, I am the truth. Aristotle, I am the being qua being. I am the primitive cause. Socrates, I am wisdom, goodness, virtue. I am the truth. And then he goes on to say in John chapter 10, I'm the truth that sets you free. I'm the truth that sets you free from sin, sets you free from all lies of the enemy. I am the truth. And then he says, I am the life. First John, John tells in his later epistle, he says, in he who has the son has life. I am the life. I am the resurrection life. That is what uh, Pastor Matt just told us in John chapter 11 last week. I am the life. That, that There is no life apart from Jesus. There is no fulfillment apart from Jesus. I don't care how good you're living on earth. That will all come to an end and only Jesus will stand. And all those who are in Christ will stand with him, secure and living in the resurrection. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. How might we respond to this? First, we can respond as the disciples responded. What happened when Jesus is resurrected and, and is... is, is after, the, after Good Friday and after Easter Sunday and after Jesus is ascended, what, what do they do? We, we read it in Acts. They are zealous for preaching the gospel because 
They believe Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So they are compelled, constrained by the gospel because there is no other name under heaven by which, no, by which anyone can be saved. So it should make us fiery in our preaching of the gospel. Because there is no way apart from Christ. There is no truth apart from Christ. There is no life apart from Christ. Every person in your life that has not come to know Jesus Christ is dead in their transgressions, dead in their sins, dead in their, um, in their hostility towards God. They need Jesus. And you have that. You have the story of the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. So don't be ashamed by it. That, that's the one response. The second response is the question that, G, that Paul, that Philip asked Jesus after he says, wait a minute. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He, he says, okay, Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father. And that's enough. Like, like Jesus, you're the way to the Father. You, you're the door. So, so move out of the way and, 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 and let, us see, let us see Abba. Let us see Yahweh. Jesus looks at Philip and said, have I not been with you long enough that you've seen the Father, you've seen me? One is... Our, our first response is, wait, yeah, preach the gospel. Our second response is, determine in your soul that Jesus is enough. Determine in your soul that Jesus is enough. Philip, by the word of Christ, was reminded that Jesus is not just the means of life. He's not just the means by which we get to the, no, no, no. Jesus is life. He is the truth. And if you've seen Jesus... You've seen the Father. That, that, that is the, that's the gospel, that Jesus is enough. And I don't know if you've come with questions. Maybe you've come with questions like me. Man, I, how in the world am I going to make it to next week? Uh, how in the world am, am I going to um, um, provide for my family? How, how am I going to make it another week? Of teaching how how am I going how maybe you have questions well can I can I can I share with you that Jesus is enough can, can you be secure in the fact that no matter where I am I may not know all the answers I may not know how I'm gonna make it tomorrow I may not know how ministry at City West is gonna be next year but but can I can we just agree that Jesus is enough? Can we agree with Paul in Romans 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? Can we just say that Jesus is, can we literally sing, not just with our mouths, but with our souls, Christ is enough for me? That's what he wants them to get to. The reason that our hearts would not be troubled, the reason that we should not give our hearts over to unholy turmoil of anxiety, of despair, of distrust, and of doubt. It's because Jesus is enough. And he will never leave us, nor forsake us. The promises of a God is our, is, finds their yes and amen in Christ. 
Everything that you need to know of God is found in Jesus. Do you doubt the love of God? See in Jesus the demonstration of his love that while you are yet sinners, Christ died for you. Do you doubt the faithfulness of God? See in Jesus the every promise finding their yes and amen in Christ. See in Genesis chapter 3 that there will be a seed of a woman, seed born of a woman that will crush the head of the serpent and see Jesus being the fulfillment. Do you doubt God's provision? He that did not withhold his only son from you, will he not graciously give you all things? Do you doubt God's wisdom? See in Jesus that the foolishness of God and the weakness of God is greater than the wisdom and the strength of man. Do you doubt God? See Jesus as evidence that God is for you and not against you. See Jesus as evidence that God is holy and a, and a God of his word and he shall not lie. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Let's pray.